Springtime for beavers and orb weavers, and perhaps your allergies too. <coughs> Springtime is upon us, and with it, between your sneezing, watery eyes, and oh, so much pollen, you might as well become a tree yourself since that's the only action you'll be seeing this season. Comes to us two animals that are associated with spring. Beavers and orb weaver spiders. Hello, my fellow weirdos, and welcome to Weird Animal Facts Explicit, a podcast dedicated to the weird, odd, unusual, gross, and oftentimes disturbing facts about animals. I am your springtime fairy host, Deidre. And having grown up in the beaver state and having one myself, you could say that I do know a thing or two about said animal. And now, since I am praying to Darwin that the nights stay warm enough for me to start my very first season as a gardener, I too am expecting to spot a few orb weavers out there in the garden. So what's a better way of getting into the springtime spirit than to learn about these two animals? I myself have never worked with a beaver, although while in my zookeeping career I have worked with many rodents as well as a few spiders, but none of which were the icons we are about to discuss now. And these two animals... I would say, should be the mascots of spring. I know many people in the States don't consider it spring until those robins start beep-bopping around, but these two animals are much more amazing and weirder, if I do say so myself. Beaver. Just because this is an animal show does not mean I'll be making inappropriate jokes about beavers the entire time. Just when the opportunity presents itself. Let's start with the beaver. That's what she said! Just what is a beaver? There are actually two species. One in the States, and the other in Europe, Asia. Or Eurasia! And they are rodents. They are actually the second largest rodent, following the capybara. Capybara. Following the capybara. But what makes beavers so unique is that tail. At least when we're talking about their appearances, because... There are a lot of other weirder things about this animal aside from its tail. But before we dive into that, I'm sure that there are some of you out there who don't know what a beaver is. And I'm not just talking about those virgins out there. Your jokes are only getting worse. Can you just stop it? Stop it! Stop! To know what a beaver looks like, let's just start with an animal we all should know. A rat! And let's go ahead and increase its size by five. Uh, Make its fur brown and much coarser. Smush its face just a little so that the nose isn't so pointy, and it's larger, especially the nostrils. Keep those orange incisors, those are important. Now, for the feet, add some webbing between the toes, then finally, that tail. Let's just flatten it like a pancake. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a beaver. Unlike other rodents, the beaver is aquatic. Now, of course, I'm excluding the muskrat and nutria in this, which too enjoy a nice swim. But no other rodent, let alone animal, has such a large impact on its environment as the beaver does. Keystone species! That's right. The only reason why some wetlands exist is because of the beaver. These guys, just like your ex, is a fantastic manipulator. But unlike your ex manipulating your soul and your livelihood, they manipulate the water. They as in the beavers. Not your ex, unless you dated a beaver in the past. I feel, And I feel like I don't really need to go into much detail about a beaver's relationship with water and wood, as most of us know that beavers create dams using wood, and they live inside these dams that are called logs. That are called lodges. We know. But 
jumping back to an earlier point, these dams they make aren't just for their own comfort. All right, I guess I should say that as far as we know, beavers are only creating these dams so that they can live inside them. We don't know why all beavers just decided that they have to build their lodges near a stream. Perhaps it's to make it harder for predators to get them. After all, if you're camping in the woods, it's much less likely a bear will eat you if you're in a yurt versus simply wrapped up like a burrito in a sleeping bag underneath the sorry night. Hell, if there's two bears, then you've just given them a romantic dinner date. Disclaimer! The likelihood of getting eaten by a bear while camping is very slim. Not impossible, but slim. End of disclaimer! Other than to have a roof over their head and protect them from predators, their natural need to construct a home in the middle of a flowing river is way more beneficial than any architectural structure we humans have come up with. If anything, we just fuck everything up. Beavers have been constructing dams for over 125,000 years, and in doing so, have given life to wetlands. And as we briefly talked about in other episodes, wetlands are home to so many animals. Nearly 1,000 terrestrial animals depend on wetlands for survival. And we aren't even including most of the small invertebrates or fish. Wetlands are one of the most diverse ecosystems in the world. Just like how the animals of the ocean depend on the coral reefs, the animals of the wetlands depend on the beavers to create their dams to slow down the water and create these large spaces of wetland habitat. Back in the time of early America, you know, when all the white men came around and started to murder everything and everyone, well, one of the things they tried to murder was the beaver. Their fur was used for hats, which I don't know who the hell would want to wear a beaver hat. And this was probably a time before the word beaver had that double meaning, or so I assume. Or maybe that's where the term came from, because it smelled so bad. Well, actually, it didn't, probably didn't smell that bad. Not all ladies' beavers smell bad or anything, but I mean, I... You have to admit, there is an odor associated with that area. Anyways, beaver hats were a thing, and a big deal, apparently. They were hunted, and even at times simply killed, so much so that they were hunted to near extinction. About 90% of their population was murdered in around 300 years. What can I say? Humans are dicks. Humans are dicks. Humans are dick, 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 dicks. We're all dicks. But it wasn't just the hats that caught the eye of the humans of the 1600s to the 1800s. It was one other weirdly amazing feature that has to do with their smell. When was the last time you spritzed on a dab of perfume, added a teaspoon of vanilla to your chocolate chip cookies, or had a scoop of strawberry ice cream? Well, back in the day, all those wonderfully tasting and smelling things were thanks to a stinky gland in the ass of a beaver. Perhaps that's where the slang for the beaver came from. Fun fact, the slang for beaver, referring to a female's genitalia, is thought to have come from its similar appearance to that of a split beaver pelt. My guess is the fur traders of the time were spending way too much time in the woods and not enough time with their wives. I mean, anything can look like genitals if you stare at it long enough and if you've been lost in the woods for months. Don't worry, none of today's food you eat has beaver goo in it. And yes, you can call it goo. Technically, it's called castor glands. Scientific names are hard. And fun fact, the glands of the beaver are actually named after 
their scientific name, which I will no doubt butcher in a similar fashion as those really shitty taxidermic creatures. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then just Google bad taxidermy. Here are the scientific names. Here is the U.S. beaver, Castro Canadensis, and here is the Eurasian beaver, Castro fiber. Ooh, Castro fiber, maybe fiber because like they like to eat wood. Anywho, now back to these glands. Just like most animals with glands, beavers will use them to communicate. And just a random side thought I'm having right now while uh, I think about this. Who was the first person to taste this stuff? Because, according to my research, the fluid of these glands can be similar in appearance to pus or even really runny shit. I mean, depending on how fresh from the glands it is. Blah. But another use of these glands is for swimming. Not like a swim bladder, alright? Similar to how birds will preen and groom with their Europlegin? Mm. Europigio? Europigino? Europigio. Europigale, or whatever. Technically, it's called the preening gland. Beavers will use their castro gland to brush the oils from it through their fur. And both beavers and birds do this so to waterproof their fur and feathers. Or feathers. As disgusting as this all sounds, back in the day, we humans really loved this odor enough that we wished that we were beavers. Just like how beavers oil themselves up, we would spray perfume based from castor oil on us before a hot date where we would even eat on snacks of a cone of ice cream, vanilla ice cream that was made out of the same gland. Beavers, though, would go even further and even put their scent all over the inside and outside of their lodges. Perhaps the human fashion sense is the equivalent of the beaver scent glands. One other thing that castro glands were used for was medicine. Although there was no scientific evidence to support their medical uses. Please remember that. Back in the time of the medicine show, which a na that name alone should tell you that something was up, there were claims that the fluid from the beaver's ass could relieve nearly everything from anxiety, insomnia, or even menstrual cramps. Hailing from the anus of the aquatic rodent known as the beaver, here today and today only, you can be cured of whatever ails you. Is your kid not getting enough sleep? Nervous about talking to that pretty lady or your man can't keep it up? Whatever your problem is, the beaver can help. For only a small payment, you too can have this miracle drug that's not FDA approved. That can relieve even your most pesky of headaches. Come on down, folks, for a chance to purchase this one-of-a-kind miracle. Only available today. You don't want to be caught tomorrow saying how you wish that you invested in this one-of-a-kind product. Just fork over your money and this disgusting-looking colored fluid is yours. Beaver juice. It's more than just flavor. It's the transition song From going to one topic to the next It's the transition song So that we have no awkward silence Orb Weaver Spider The traditional spider You know, during Halloween, when you see that web it's got straight webbing, uses anchors, then it's got that spiral stickiness that swirls around from the outside in. Well, that is the web of an orb weaver spider. And orb weavers are very impressive, especially their size. And I'm not just talking about the spiders themselves, but their webs too. Known for having larger webs, some ranging larger than one meter in diameter, 
these not-so-little guys, or girls, I should say, are great to have in your garden. In fact, a common name for a very common and terrifying-looking spider here in the U.S. is the garden spider. There are over 4,000 known species of orb weaver spiders in the world. Now the one we're talking about, the yellow garden spider, this one is like, well, imagine spotting a Wiz Khalifa-approved spider. Black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. Everything these spiders do, they do it big. Even the males, despite their smaller size, well, you see, it's the females who are physically big. The males are actually about one quarter the size of the female, and sometimes even smaller than that. And there can be danger in this, as any short man who's ever tried to date me can attest to. But let's focus on the dating life of the garden spider and not mine. Unlike Bumble, it's the male who needs to put on the moves first. Which can be risky, as if she's not happy with him, she will do the ultimate ghosting. Which is not just not responding to your text messages, but murder. The male, of course, is hoping that this doesn't happen, or at least not until he gets some sex. So he must do his best to seduce her. How? As if plucking the strings on a guitar, the male will announce their presence. Then slowly, or cautiously, he'll make his approach. Fun fact! Some male garden spiders have been observed making the move while the female is molting, as she's pretty immobile at that point. I don't know if uh, we should call that smart or rape. If the female accepts the male, or is temporarily a mummy, or even just uh, preoccupied with dinner, the male can come. Come, get it? <clears throat> but to get the sperm into the female is hard. And this isn't even taking into account him having to risk the female killing and possibly eating him. Let's go ahead and take a look at some spider genitalia. Time to learn! Female spider genitals are located on the underside of their abdomen, closer to the cephalothorax. Cephalothorax. It's kind of like their sternum area. Okay, closer that way. And is a hardened plate. When the male inserts his sperm, she can actually store it in her spermathacus. Words. Uh, spermathicus. Spermaticus? Spermaticus. It's like where she stores the sperm, basically, until it's time for her body to make babies. That's what that is. And all this is pretty normal as far as invertebrate reproduction goes. As for the males, oh, oh boy. For those of you sexually active adults out there, uh, we know that for humans, sperm is transferred via the penis into the woman. It's pretty simple, but, but not for male spiders. Similar to the female, their reproductive parts start under the abdomen in the testes and do connect to a penis, or more like a small tube, which some guys might actually have a small tube. <laughs> I know one. From there, the male will spin a small mat of silk, so to put their sperm inside. So basically think about that like a guy jizzing in a cup. Then, as we learned from episode 4 about New World Tarantulas, spiders have these two arms that are not legs. Nope, spiders have eight legs plus these two arms that are called pedipals. With the male sperm now inside his silk mat, or cup, he will use his pedipals, like syringes, and siphon up the sperm. This will then swell up the pedipals so that they now look like boxing gloves, two of which he will suck his sperm into the female's love spot. That is, if he doesn't get eaten first. Many spiders face this dilemma. 
not just the orb weavers, tiny males having to win the affection of a much bigger female and risk life itself to simply pass along their genes. It can be a very tough world for a male spider. For the orb weaver males, we can consider them to be a bit smart. Or I suppose the correct word might be scaredy cats, <laughs> as many will attempt to seduce the female, but then at the first sight of trouble, he races out of there. That is, until he uh, musters up enough courage to uh, come back and try again. But perhaps this scaredy cat behavior is due to the docile personality of orb weavers. With that being said, if you see an orb weaver in your garden, which is likely, then don't freak out, okay? And most certainly don't kill it. These spiders are known for being non-aggressive. But just like any animal, if you corner it or piss it off, they will and have a right to defend themselves. Orb weaver spiders, and yes, even the large female ones, probably won't bite you. And if they do, it probably won't kill you unless, of course, you're allergic to their venom. Plus, having spiders in your garden is a good thing. They'll eat all those true pests of the garden, all while hanging out on that cool-ass-looking web. Oh, and that web! Whoa, it is so fun! There are many different types of webs out there, from funnels that are shaped just the way it sounds, tangled webs, which are like cobwebs or like natty hair, or even sheet web that is the, like that creepy dangling hammock that drapes over the grass and bushes. But not only are orb weaver webs the traditional looking perfect web that ever was, the garden spider will take hers up a notch. In the middle of this beautiful giant web looks to be a zipper, or some will even call it a zigzag pattern. It's a thicker web that goes back and forth just in the middle. It's beautiful, but chances are you don't have Charlotte living in your backyard attempting to spell it some pig. So then why does the garden spider do this? All right, now I should point out before we keep going that the garden spider I'm talking about right now is the yellow garden spider found in the United States. Not to be confused with the garden spiders of the UK, which is uglier in my opinion, but is still an orb weaver spider who makes an even more traditional Halloween shaped web. It even has the creepiness down, even more so than like US orb weaver spiders. And anyways, while we're talking about these two different types of spiders, we might as well help those of you who are fluent in Latin and only call animals names based on their scientific name because you want to be a smarty pants and just get this segment out of the way. Scientific names are hard. Here is the garden spider from the UK, Araneus diadematus, martyrs. Araneus diadematus, ah, fuck this, all right. Told you it was uglier. UK one. Sorry guys in UK, I love ya. Spider name just sucks. Alright, next is the yellow garden spider of the US. Argiope Aruantia. Argiope Aruantias. Why do I do this segment? Alright, now with that out of the way, let's get back to the question about that zigzag in the US's yellow garden spider's web. Why? Why do they make that zigzag? Well, let's just, let's just back up a bit and just say that birds can be dumb. And trust me, I have a point with all this. And you will especially know that birds are dumb if you had listened to the pigeon episode, because pigeons are the dumbest fucking birds in the whole entire world. Anywho, some birds just get so focused and set on flying that they don't really think about where they're going. And they don't do a thorough check of things or do a thorough check of their surroundings. 
In fact, one of the greatest causes of deaths to birds is flying into shit, like windows. Oh, and this is a big issue for birds, as there are lots of birds, and many of them are endangered. Flying into windows is among the top three human-related causes of bird deaths. Now, the first being your fucking cat. Okay, maybe not your cat, but domestic cats. All right, they're the, they're the, the, the greatest human cause murder to birds. So put your damn cat inside. Now, the reason birds fly into windows is because they can't see it. Face it, we all have ran into a sliding glass door before. Even if you won't admit it out loud, we've all done it. But there is a simple solution, and the orb weavers have figured it out. UV. For windows, people are starting to put up stickers that reflect UV light, as birds can see UV, therefore can see these stickers and don't fly into the window and die. Scientists took UV light and found that the web of the orb spider and the spider itself disappear. But the zigzag pattern stays, and you can see it. Meaning the birds can probably see it too. And even more, some insects can also see UV, meaning that they might see the zigzag pattern and think, hmm, that looks like a tasty meal. Only it's them who will become a tasty meal for the spider. With springtime here, and if you actually venture outside of your stinky apartment, you are very likely to spot one of these two animals of today. Both working harder than your body trying to beat out allergies, the beaver and orb weaver spiders of the world work hard so that we don't have to. And in their process, helps to make our world a better place by providing homes for thousands of other animals and wetlands or a final resting place for all those pesky critters you don't want buzzing around your face whenever you step outside. These animals and all animals are doing what comes naturally so to help make our lives and our springtime so much better. Let me know what animals or animal topic you want to learn more about by reaching out to us on our Instagram at WAF Podcast. Until next time, stay weird.